you got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, their to industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Electric People. Today, we got Northern California's Kevin Padilla on the hot mic. What's up, Kevin? What's up, guys? What's up, Kev? How are you, dude? What's up, Adam? Doing good, man. Doing good. Just got done taking care of the baby. <laughs> hey, I want to make something clear. If this shows up in the camera, this little, you know, stain, just know it's my baby. Yeah, dude, that's a battle scar right there, man. Yeah, I try to stay clean as much as I could. If you got some baby puke on your on your on your sweatshirt at eight in the morning, you're doing it right. That's what I'd say. Yeah. You're doing it right. <laughs> um, well, Kevin, let me give you a bit of an intro, man. You started with us in 2016, and uh, immediately we're leading um, one of our top five teams the next year in 2017. So, uh, Kevin's up in Northern California and is a franchise member in the league and uh, runs the South Bay team. Uh, with the partners up there and this is funny kevin because um a lot of the people that i talked to kind of in preparation for this said oh no kevin's so laid back he's so nonchalant so i texted adam you'll like this i texted kevin and i was like hey what are what are your career installs showing because some of our stats are different and he says uh i don't have it right in front of me i think it's like 720. the official number is 846. he was 126 <laughs> installs i like off. it <laughs> and I he's like only it. been here for four years so that's more than a lot of people do in a couple years, and that was your—that's your margin of error. So hey, I was going off of the last bat I got. I added a few more. I was like, hey, I'm, I might be there, but that's good to know. I remember. Yeah, like I have a bat that says 700, so I don't know, probably 20 more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Kevin is uh, originally born in Ecuador, which Ecuador mm -hmm. is really close to my heart. I want to talk to you about that? Uh, a franchise member. And we've seen you go from a salesperson to a leader, to a leader with a wife, to a leader with a family, and you've kind of juggled and, and done it all. So stoked to have you on the show. We did a, we did a survey, um, yeah, it was probably a couple weeks ago. And one of the questions that we asked, you know, a few hundred of our listeners is, um, which guests would you like to have on there? And consistently your name showed up. So we're like, we got to book Padilla. Appreciate it, guys. You got fans out there, Kevin. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you, man. You're a great example. Um, let's dive right in. So talk about, let's talk about your upbringing to kind of set the stage. This is something that I didn't know about you because uh, I remember when I was getting to know you, you know, I live in Southern California, you live in Northern California. And when I was getting to know you, it's not something that you really offer up, you know what I mean? But just kind of, you mentioned in passing, no, I grew up in Ecuador. So maybe talk about your upbringing, how you made it over um, to the United States, and eventually we'll talk about how you got into uh, direct sales. Sure thing. So from what I can remember, I was I was 11 at the time. Um, my dad, who was a pharmaceutical sales rep actually in Ecuador, and um, I, I felt like, again, from what I remember, he did pretty well, but he was kind of tired of some of the corruption in our in the third world country so i just remember one weekend dad coming home and saying hey guys we're moving and uh it's gonna be far my grandma which lived pretty close just being sad and saying we're gonna miss you uh so we came to the states when i was i was 11. um i still remember just flying in not knowing a, a lick of english just you know arriving at the airport being picked up by a friend um, and then starting school literally like a couple weeks from that time that we arrived there. Where did you arrive? First of all, what city are you from in Ecuador and what, where did you, where did you arrive? Where'd you fly into? Um, Quito, which is a capital. Um, and we flew into Salt Lake city again, in 2000 must've been some, somewhere. I, again, my memory is it's bad with that, but I was 11 by the time I arrived here. So, um, yeah, it was, it was tough, man. I mean, it was just arriving into a new country, not knowing anyone. Um, I, I felt like I started to learn the language about six months later and starting getting the hang of things. Um, and the rest is history. I mean, I went to high school in Utah. I went to junior high in Utah. Um, yeah, it was a good time. Dude, I, uh, it's funny because, you know, I have certain, you, you hear certain things like growing up and people are like, man, you gotta, if you're in the country, you gotta speak English. And I'm always like, hold on, hold on. 
unless you've been the person in a foreign country that doesn't speak the language. Like, so I did my, my church service mission in Ecuador. Uh, I was in Guayaquil. And I know a bit about what it's like to be the one that doesn't speak the language, to be there for six months and not know what people are saying and things like that. So how did you figure it out? Like being 11 years old in a new country, going into a school and a social system where you didn't speak the language, you know, that's one of those things. I mean, it's kind of a microcosm of what direct sales is like when you come in, you don't know how to do it. Everyone's looking at you. It feels a little bit weird. How did you, how did you figure that out? And what did it, what did it feel like growing up? not knowing how to communicate? It's a good question. I I would I honestly have to say it's just been my competitive nature since I've always, since since always, I mean, with sports, with anything. I felt like I felt other kids coming from other countries and being able to speak English. And I, I said, you know, I have to get there. So I remember just going to a class that they call it ESL back in the day, English second language, and just just going ham, like trying to read as much as I could, trying to practice it. I wasn't shy about speaking it, although I probably said a lot of things wrong. And I think that's what got me going. And eventually, I remember like six months later, I was just able to speak or just understand a lot more. And yeah, that's that's how I think I did it. How did you guys end up in Utah, Kevin? So my parents are, we're, we're all LDS. My parents got baptized when they were 17 in Ecuador. And so my parents always knew that Utah was sort of the, the place where most LDS people came. So that's why my dad picked that place. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah, I have, um, I mean, we have so many people that have immigrated from, you know, outside the U.S. that work for us now. And it's always fascinating to hear their stories. How did you, how did you get involved with direct sales? And um, do you feel like that experience of immigrating to the States and just kind of going through all that stuff has really kind of shaped your competitive nature and this chip that you seem to have on your shoulder with selling? For sure. Um, so to, to answer that question first, I think my ability or not my ability is more like a learned ability of just shifting to new things is what made it easier to to adapt to just being in a new job or doing new things. I, it wasn't something hard. It's something I did since I was little. Thanks to my parents, you know, they put us in a situation where you had to adapt or you weren't able to do anything. So that for sure helped. As far as how did I start? So um, I think I was 17. I worked at a company called Security One. I was taking phone calls, kind of like the, the welcome calls that we do now, but I did it for sales reps whenever the customer was ready to move to installation for alarm systems. And there was a guy who's one of my good friends, you guys know him, Leo. Leo would always, he would crush it on the door, so he would always call me and say, hey, you know, I'm ready to do a welcome call. Can we talk to Kevin? He just knew, I, I guess I was kind of good at that. And so... We would chat all the time, and eventually we started playing soccer. We knew that we liked soccer, and so we started playing soccer together. And one day he just said, hey, like you're, you're good at taking the phone calls. You're good at doing this, but you could do a lot better if you came on the doors. And at first I just blew him off. I said, no, nah, dude, I'm going to school. I'm going to get a degree and try to do something. Um, so he kind of just backed off for a little bit. Next summer they were going to um, – Minnesota, I want to say, and he sat me down and he's like, dude, I'm serious. Like you need to do this. You'll need to at least give it a try because it'll change your life. And so I had nothing going on. I think I had just broken up with some girl I was dating. So I think it was perfect timing. Uh, and I ended up going to Minnesota, not Minnesota. I'm sorry, Montana. That's what it is. Went to Montana for my first summer. Minnesota, and, uh, Montana. <laughs> yeah. Way, way off. <laughs> 720, right? 840. <laughs> Same thing. Um, so yeah, I ended up trying it out, and I remember I went knocking with with this guy named Wesley Hill. Took me in the door, got got the sale, and I said, "This is this is doable. I can do it." So I went on my own. I got I think I got my second door. I didn't know what I was doing. I just called Leo. I said, "Hey, dude, I got in. What's next?" And um, yeah, man, the rest is history. I loved it. I, I mean, it's something I I can't go back to doing anything else other than that. Dude, shout out to Leo. I like that guy. He's got that like, he's got that smile, dude. It just makes me feel safe. I like him, but yeah. that's a good example. Did you never know what Kevin Padillas are hiding out there? Like, you know, we always tell the guys in recruiting to keep a wish list. You know, just someone that, just someone that, man, even I don't know if they would ever consider doing it, but I'm gonna put them on the list. And it's funny to think that you were on his wish list, but dude, something about that guy. And then if you're persistent, eventually 
they end up signing up. Um, this idea, so I talked to um, a couple of your leaders and uh, just said, you know, what's great about Kevin Padilla? Like what's some of the things that you like the most about him? And uh, Jordan had said that, you know, and your last just story told us that you're humble and teachable. So that's, that's something that's kind of rare in our industry, but he says uh, he listens to people that do something better than him and then he applies it and it, and then becomes better. Uh, Devin Arp's the same way. I remember when Devin came in, he was like, he, you know, he'd done thousands and thousands and thousands of alarm installs and he'd had this like really successful career and none of it mattered because he had to learn this, you know what I mean? And he wanted to come in and just figure it out. But he says he's the epitome of being talented plus not only being teachable, but actually applying the teachings. Is that something that you consciously do? Maybe talk about that mindset because it seems to really speed you up. If you can, if you can just look for the person doing well and not feel any way about it and apply it. How do you how do you do that? And how can other people apply that? First of all, shout out to Arp. You're right. So I was I think I was the first guy he knocked with. And when he came with me, super, super humble dude. I mean, I've heard stats about it and I was impressed. And he just came and completely I mean, he basically said, Hey, do your thing. I'm just here to learn. He was taking notes the whole time. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll show up with this notepad and be like, hey, that one thing you said, what was that? Yes. Yeah. And then he'll just yeah. use it for 10 years, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was it was impressive, 100%. And, I, and I, I've learned from him a lot since. So, yeah, he, he's an awesome dude. Um, question, uh, so how do I apply? How do I do that? Um, yeah, just talk about that mindset because there's there's a lot of reps that are not humble and teachable. And you're one of the most successful solar reps that the industry has ever seen. So just talk about that mentality and, and your feelings on it. Yeah, I mean, from day one, I've always, I guess since I made the change to Vivint, because before that, when I used to do alarms, we always looked at Vivint as, you know, sort of the competitor, the bad guy. And I probably lost on a lot of installs by staying with small dealers at that point, instead of going to, you know, Vivint, the big guys. Uh, but since I made the change, I made sort of the promise to myself that, if they're the best, I was willing to learn from them and I was going to do anything they did in order to see success. And so since the day I started, I remember seeing Jordan and Jordan took me out knocking once and I just said, hey, if this guy's the best, then just try to do everything exactly the way he does it up to the point of how he stands, to how he says things, um, to the way he leans, everything. And so when I started seeing him do those things and I started applying them, I saw him work and it just one of those things that when it clicks I'm sort of a creature of habit and I just stick to it and till this day I can I can still attribute a lot of my success to seeing Jordan you know taking me to my first sale seeing uh, Brian Rossiter taking me to my first cat appointment and doing the same things they did and repeating the same lines and I've seen that work so it's kind of like to me it's, an, it's a dumb idea to go away from what they've taught me so hopefully that answers that question it's so crazy um and I get, I'm sure Ty, I'm sure Kevin, you feel the same way. Like we hire new people daily and, um, you know, we give them this blueprint. We're just like, here's the, here's the instruction manual. Here are people who have sold hundreds and hundreds of accounts, sometimes thousands of accounts. And we're telling you, this is exactly how they do it. And then you'll go out and shadow them or you'll hear them do a pitch in a, in a meeting or whatever. And it just sounds nothing like what, um, the pitch that we've given them to, to use. And you're just sitting there going like, man, like this pitch has literally made the company millions of dollars, these reps millions of dollars. And in your mind, like you think you need to reinvent the wheel, like you don't like with it, it's already there. Right. Um, but the interesting part is if you were to listen to me or you or Ty or Jordan or Devin do our own pitches, they're probably a little bit different. They all vary a little bit. So at some point, you know, like my, my advice to new reps is initially just memorize it verbatim, like verbatim what we're giving you. Once you get 50 plus installs or whatever, and you want to start kind of adding your own flavor to it, like fine. But at what point did you kind of feel like you, you know, you, you, you copied the, the blueprint. And then at what point did you feel like you could finally kind of start putting your own stamp or, or even just that you noticed you were kind of putting your own you know, flavor on the sales process. And then all of a sudden you're doing innovative things and you're doing creative things. So it's kind of a two part question. Like what advice would you have for our new people? And then at what point did you feel like, 
you were doing unique things that people started coming to you for? Um, so to the first, the first question I would say, except at least for me, and I'm reading this book, which I got from the podcast too, Ty open from Andrew Agassi. And on that book, there's a quote that says like, if you don't accept the current uh, stage that you're in, you won't be able to move to the next. And so I think for me, I've, the, the way that it helped me is just accepting that, Hey, these guys are better than me. Just take your ego, take your confidence out of the way and just listen. Um, because if you want to become like them, you have to first perfect this stage that you're currently at, which is the rookie stage. And it might take a lot of listening. It might take a lot of, you know, being humble. Um, I can't say that I had to humble myself that much because I had nothing to compare to. I was never a top sales rep. I was never, you know, a dude that was talked about. But I was. I just wanted to become good. So I said, hey, I'm going to be as a sponge as I can with what Jordan says, with my, my, my leader say. I'm going to accept this stage and then hopefully I can move to the next. Um, and when I was able to, like you said, finally maybe give advice or feel comfortable enough saying, hey, listen to me, was when I saw that my name was up there. You know, that was kind of the goal. The goal was to do something, do, make something of my name for people to know who I am. And when I started hearing more and more of my name, then I felt a little bit more confident to say, yeah, I guess what I'm doing does work. So you probably should listen. You, uh, you're one of those that's that, that mentality is, is super effective because you're universally liked. Like you're, you, you, you have a really, not just a lot of friends in the industry, which you do have, but you, you have this kind of underlying uh, respect that your, that your results over time really command, which is really cool. I think it's the reason that people wanted to hear from you. And I think people are always looking for some big secret, like, oh, I started doing this thing five years ago. It changed my life, right? The thing that I take away is, it's dumb to not do what works for the very best. You literally said that thing, right? Just that simple mentality of it's kind of dumb to not do that. Um, I have a question for you or something that I've noticed in the industry that I actually think directly applies to you. And I think we have a big old um, <clears throat> group of people that are in the same category that you're in. So when you were at alarms, you mentioned that you weren't the best alarm salesman, but you were good. Mm -hmm. Like you were, you were, you were 120 to 160 a summer, right? That's about where you fell in alarms. Uh, Isn't that I what was you're 100 doing? to 120. 120 was my 100 max, 100. My, the biggest summer. Okay. So there's, there's a certain amount of people, whatever they've sold, right? Uh, whether it's, you know, financial services or other door-to-door -door products or insurance, whatever. We have lots of people that have sold lots of different things. But there are people that find their, their thing or their fire or their, their kind of unique offering to the sales world here. Because in alarms, 100 to 120 is good. You're not going to shout it from the rooftops, but it's good. Like you get a rep that can do that. You want to keep that guy forever and, and keep him around. But you're not that guy at Solar. You are one of the very, very best. You're a franchise. There's only a handful of people in our company that are in franchise. I think there's like 18. So the crazy thing is there's a, there's a Solar works better on your type of personality. Someone that can come in as humble and teachable, right? We'll follow a process but maybe not super comfortable doing anything it takes for a sale, right? But you come in and you're able to connect and have a longstanding um, relationship with customers. I've seen so many people that we would call like the high side of average, like upper mid level rep, come into solar and find it and be like this. It's almost like you were playing baseball and you were pretty good and then you found soccer and you're like, this is my thing. Does that ring true to you in solar? That's what your results look like. Yeah, yeah, no, I can agree to that. I can, I can see it was just one of those things that it meshed more with my personality than did alarms and I could a hundred percent stand behind it. And I, once I found my, my niche or I, when I, when I found that it clicked, I said, this is, this is what I got to pursue. So I just went all in. Yeah. And I think, um, one of the things that you're credited with the most is being really consistent. And so, um, you're consistent quarter over quarter, but uh, everybody that I've talked to about this says, they'll say, no, Kevin's really consistent. I know you knock three hours every day, no matter what. I know that that's kind of your number. Um, I know that you take these simple things and you have a way to just follow them. But everybody that I talk to says, it's not just the job, it's life. So what have your? I don't know if you've gone through, I don't know if you noticed it. I don't know if you carefully like architect this stuff, but what are some of the Kevin Padilla keys to consistency? Like, what do you do? What are some things in your day, in your life, whether it's related to the job or not, that you just take and say that works. I'm plugging it in. I'm being consistent. What 
When the people say he's like that with a lot of things in his life, what are they talking about? Well, well, first of all, let me. I, I, I hope I'm not breaking anyone's perception of me, but I'm definitely not consistent in all aspects of life. I wish. Nope, 100% um, consistent in all aspects <laughs> of life. That's your, that's your reputation, man. No, I wish, man. This whole COVID-19 completely gained like 10, 15 pounds, and I'm trying to get back to the consistency of losing weight. Quarantine 15, um, man. I know. But I would but I would agree to the fact that, I mean, before I answer your question, you with this job, you don't have to be spectacular at any single thing. You just have to be, you can be an average guy with a schedule, you know, a guy that keeps a schedule and, and is able to just apply the things that they teach them, and you'll have success. You may not be the best at it, but you'll have success. Um, becoming the best, I think, is just um, a matter of even getting into the details of what you're doing and perfecting them. Um, as far as consistency, what do I do? Uh, I am cons If there's one thing I'm consistent at is I can't miss. I feel anxious, kind of like uh, I, I got this from Jordan. He once told me, he's like, dude, when I'm not on the doors by a certain time, I feel this anxiety. And at first, when I started this job, I said, dude, you're crazy. Like, I'm okay. You know, if it's a little bit later than two, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I, I'm kind of scared of the doors. I, I can wait. But as I've done this more and more, it's just really ingraining me that I, I actually understand Jordan. I do get anxiety. I feel this overwhelming feeling that somebody else is out there making money and I'm not, and I could, but I'm not doing it because I'm being lazy or I'm just not following my schedule. So if there's one thing I'm consistent at is just saying, hey, this is this is my knocking schedule and I got to knock doors and I knock doors every single day. Uh, like you said, three hours is the bare minimum, but I have to do that or I personally can feel good coming home and I'm in a bad mood if I don't do that. Um, as far as my personal life and what I do consistently, I do work out pretty consistently. Um, I mainly do mountain biking or you know running. Those are the two things that I enjoy doing the most. And so I'm pretty consistent at, at least doing that three to four times a week. And I think that translates into keeping my schedule with work as well. Kevin, I, when you talk about this kind of stuff and I look at your numbers that you've had over the last couple of years, and like Ty said, you've probably been among the five most consistent people in the company over the last four years, right? And every single quarter, it seems like you're at 40 plus installs, 30 plus installs. And I, I, you know, Jordan Williams said that on his podcast, he doesn't view himself as the most talented salesman, but he does say, I'm as disciplined as anybody with my schedule, with my routines, with all those sorts, sorts of things. So is that, would you say, um, specifically in regards to work, I know we already touched on, you said, one of your disciplines is that you knock three hours a day. That's like, it sounds like that's like a non-negotiable thing that you just have in your calendar. Can you just kind of walk, especially for our newer reps, can you just walk us through like your typical weekly, daily schedule and what time of day you're blocking off that three hours and what happens when you get an appointment that wants to meet during that time or what happens when your wife says, hey, we got a family thing during that time. Um, and then also like, what are you doing in the mornings in regards to work with like account management? Are you emailing your concierge? Are you like, what, like, just walk us through step-by-step step how you're able to maintain that consistency because installing 30 plus accounts a quarter consistently for four straight years, that just doesn't happen by accident. Like that's by design. Like you didn't just have like one fluky quarter that you got 30 installs or whatever. Like, doing it every single quarter, like you have systems in place that you don't even probably think about anymore that you just do every single day. And a lot of our guys are just like, they don't even know what they don't know. You know what I mean? So can you just kind of walk us through some of those, even like some sort of unconsciously competent disciplines that you do every day? Yeah. And, and hearing you ask that question actually makes me think about what I, what I do. It's funny because a lot of the times I've felt like really grateful and blessed to have done this job this long and have that consistency. And a lot of the times I can look back and be like, I don't, I don't even understand what I'm doing differently. Um, but as, as you're asking me this question, yeah, it, I feel like the schedule that I have has a lot to do with it. So, for example, I wake up, you know, I play with my kid a few hours um, most days because days that we have meetings like Mondays and Thursdays, I'm out of the the door right away so I don't get to see him that much. Uh, I wake up, I play with him, 
I jump on my computer, I go through emails. I hate seeing, you know, too many emails popping up on, on the little icon that shows you how many you have. So just for the fact of getting rid of those numbers, I look through them, see what's important, what's not, I forward to my concierge. And then after I get done doing that for about an hour or two, I go and work out, whether that's mountain biking or going running or just doing something physical. I feel like it gives me some sort of confidence for the next step. And by, you know, 1.30, 2 max, I'm out. I'm out of the door. Um, my, my approach or my, my goal every single day is to always have an account created. If I don't, I feel like I fail that day. And so when I go out, my goal is solely, hey, you got to get an account behind you or on the bag for you to be able to have the confidence that you need to be able to go to the next appointment or do a welcome call or progress an account. Uh, I don't know who taught this principle, but it's someone in SoCal. They talked about, you know, creating an account, progressing an account, and closing an account, something along those lines. Yeah, that's the MB3 right there. That's the Mike Brand 3. Mike's been talking about that since, uh, like, 2012. I mean, I remember he trained on that. Like, when I first started, I heard him give a training. And I've been saying that same thing for nine years now to everybody. So, yeah, yeah. you have to do it. It's it's definitely stuck. I mean, that's that's literally the goal. I mean, when you go out there, if you don't have an account, how do you expect to have the confidence to go close an account? So I try to get my wiggles up. You know, you manage people. And it's so funny. Tell me if you agree with this, but most of the problems that reps have is because they didn't create enough volume in the past. Literally, like they got this mm -hmm. one account and they are freaking out about it. Or, or you know, they're a little bit bummed on, on this thing that happened. But had they created an account, right? They would have a bag. Someone that has 10 permits at the city doesn't trip over one not going in. Somebody that has one account at the city loses their mind when one doesn't go in. You know what I mean? They, they, they get the daily dopamine release. They make a new relationship. They add value to somebody's life. And the world is a brighter, sunnier place. You know what I mean? I, just, right. I wish that reps, I hope, you know, when you saying I have to create an account a day, I get anxiety. I can think of you South Bay guys. I've been there. Like the pens start shaking when it's 2 a or 2 PM. You're like, I have to go. You know what I mean? I think if, if, if all reps did that, just how many things in their life would be positively impacted, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you don't have enough volume, you're always going to have the stress of looking at these accounts and thinking, thinking they're it, you know, you need to be able to have enough volume. So you have the confidence that if something falls through that will fall through you're okay. You know, you plan, you have plenty of other people to work with. And at the same time, I always tell this to, especially to people that are close to me and um, like people that work with me, I always tell them like, don't, don't look at the account and don't look at the VSLR table like too early. You know, when, when you do that, when you start thinking about the account as money, then you start putting so much pressure on yourself to be able to close it. I honestly don't ever look at the VSLR table. I just wait for the paycheck to come in. I try to think of, you know, if you do this many accounts, the money will be there. So there's no point of seeing how much each account is worth because that just creates more anxiety for me. So why do it to begin with? Yeah, that's a great point, man. I agree with that completely. Um, let's go back to let's go back to the balance stuff that you do in life, because um, it's cool to see. Usually people that have an Instagram feed like you don't have the 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 company stats that you have. You're hiking places, you're staying places, you're mountain biking, you're hanging with the guys you're you're connecting i mean you know you work with brian rossiter who's like ultimate adventure guide you know what i mean like talk talk about how you do that because you know you mentioned that part of your day adam and i always talk about with our guests on here having a life that you're excited about and how that helps kind of balance you out in all different ways maybe talk about your mentality on that what what do you what's your view on getting out and and doing things outside of work and how does that help you um in your job and with the people that you lead uh, I think you have always have some. You have to have something to look forward to, whatever it is in your life that you enjoy doing. You have to schedule it every single you know week, so you have something to look forward to. When I know, uh, as an example, we mountain bike on Wednesdays. When my week starts on Monday and I'm having a rough start, I always look forward to what's next. And so, what's next is me mountain biking on Wednesday morning. Uh, but I won't be able to feel good if I'm having a crappy week. So let's just. You know, just work till Tuesday night and the results will be there and then you'll feel good mountain biking on Wednesday morning. 
So Adam, that's the that question. Just, you asked him what things are like unconsciously consistent, and he's like, I don't know. Well, mm -hmm. Wednesday's mountain biking day, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and he's got to have production Monday and Tuesday to feel good and about. I have it. to have two by then, so yeah, I guess there are some. Yeah, I'm for sure competitive, man, and, and sometimes it, it's bad because I feel like I can't, I can't feel okay unless I'm my numbers are there, and a lot of the time I put maybe too much value on on my own numbers like i had to have these numbers or i don't feel okay about kevin padilla you know although everything else could be going well family could be great kid could be great marriage is awesome but if my numbers are not there for some reason i just don't feel okay i just feel like i'm, I'm failing at something and i hate that feeling so honestly subconsciously i probably do it for the simple fact of staying sane is i want to be able to feel okay i want to be able to be happy and everything revolves around okay well did you have the numbers you you said you would did you work the hours you said you would yeah do you remember we had david Meltzer talk to us on you know doing shelter in place you remember and uh, the thing i wrote down as you were saying that is he kept saying i must be what i can be i must be what i can be and i think that resonates with people like you where it's like you said i'm not okay with kevin padilla if i don't live up to my standard it's kind of like uh yeah it's i must be what i can be you know what i mean i love that do you guys remember do you remember the show wipeout you guys remember that? Adam, did you ever watch that show? Kevin, did you ever watch yeah, that? Yeah, it's all time, all time, all Maybe. time, you know, top three show for me. Like, it's one of the greatest shows of all time. <laughs> yeah. Is that the one where they wipe them out with those little air machines? Those obstacle yeah, things? Is that what it is? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly right. So it's like okay. they take these okay. people that mostly have no business being on a high stakes obstacle course and then they let America watch them fall off stuff. <laughs> But you were talking about uh, something to look forward to. I think this is a very important principle for leaders, people that run teams, because Kev, you're really good at doing this. You put things in your life that you look forward to. Oh, okay, I'm going to work because at least tomorrow I get to go mountain biking with my buddies and I enjoy that. You're a disciplined person and a lot of people don't know to do that. But I think leaders that can do that for their teams, teams have to have something that they can look forward to. And so that just reminded me, you said Wednesday's mountain biking day. Uh, summer of 2008 in Pittsburgh, some of our listeners were like seven years old, but uh, every Thursday night was wipeout night. So we'd order pizza and the whole team would get together and we'd watch wipeout. And it was, it was a senseless hour, but dude, I felt that. Like I felt like on Wednesday at four, if I was having a, or Thursday at four, if I was having a hard day or it was a million degrees or I was getting like just owned in neighborhoods and stuff, I could think to my head, I only got four more hours till wipeout night till we all get together and we get to do this thing. Do you guys have things that you do as a team like that? Like things that the team can look forward to? And what, what are some of those things that, that you guys provide for the guys? Yeah, uh, definitely not enough. The more I think about it, the more we, we got to do that. But we for sure like biking. It's, it's an office thing. Anyone that has a bike and wants to go biking comes with us on those Wednesdays. Um, lately, we, we've set up an, an actual incentive for the 4th of July or t until the 4th of July. And what we have to look forward is to go boating with the team. And so we always try to do some sort of activity that we can all push for and work for and be able to celebrate it together, whether it's going to the beach, playing spike ball, whether it's going boating, like in this case, like we're doing at the end of this month, um, or if it's even just like a barbecue here at any one of the leader's house, we, we like that. We like the ability to be able to play sports, eat together and just be together. So. We definitely have a lot of work to do when it comes to making it more of a mandatory every single week sort of fun like what you're talking about. But the times that we have done it, we've seen a lot of success from the guys and we've also seen just getting closer and closer to people that, that we care about. I think the key to the, you know, that Ty has said this before, that you've got to live a life that you're excited about and that helps you be really effective at your job, right? When you're at your job doing the hard work when you know that you have these times to look forward to, to do the stuff that you really love doing and you're passionate about and that friend time, the bud time, um, that's what is stuff that's exciting, right? That's, you know, the life that you are excited about. So you look forward to it. But I think the key to it is it sounds like those are scheduled events. And I think a lot of times what happens is our reps, uh, or you'll hear, you know, guys that are trying to find their groove in sales, and they hear like, you know, you got to live a life that's exciting about it or whatever. And so they'll just be doing random things all the time, like random things. And they're just like, you know, I just did this cool thing or whatever. And it was like random on a Thursday night. And then the next week 
they're doing something two times during the week on random days, whatever. And it's like, you have this sort of scheduled consistent time and then you have your scheduled work time, right? So um, do you think, you know, if you were giving advice to even leaders in the company on how to build culture with the teams, I mean, what sort of advice would you give to build culture like that, to build those relationships with their sales reps and also, you know, have it not affect, you know, work time? I would say be, be consistent in whatever it is, the schedule you're, you're starting with. A lot of the times we're sporadic. We do some fun stuff and then we, and again, I'm, I'm preaching to myself because these are things we could do better. But sometimes we, we do these activities, we do these fun things once, the team has fun, but we never, we forget to do it again. We do it two or three times and then we don't repeat it again. But being consistent in the activities you do, whether that's scheduling every single Wednesday, like you said, and do the wipeout activities, um, if you do that consistently, you'll eventually see the buy-in, uh, just like anything else. I mean, for me, one of the things that I always tell my guys is have a consistent day off, like a day off. You, you can't expect to do this job Monday through Sunday and not feel burned out. You have to have a specific day that you take off and you spend with your family, you spend with your wife. For me, that's Fridays. Um, it's, again, a non-negotiable day. We, we go out on a date. We, we hang out with the family. But that's the day I take off every single week. And it's consistent. And I feel because of the consistency of it, it allows me to have better Saturdays and allows me to have a better week. So just being consistent with whatever that schedule is. When you have a customer say, hey, I'm available this Friday night at 6, what do you say? I say it. I don't work on Fridays, but I can see you Saturday morning. I've seen a lot of, especially newer, inexperienced sales reps make this mistake where um, they they really cater to like everything the customer's asking them to do. You know what I mean? Like from the time they want to meet to just, it's almost like the customer is the one that's like leading this sales process and doing things like telling a customer you're not available, even when you haven't met them yet, it's like setting the tone right out of the gate that you're the one in charge, right? So how do you get to that mindset where you're dictating the feeling of the sale? And then how does that affect the actual sales process when you're the one sort of controlling the time? And maybe what are some other things that you do just from a sales strategy standpoint to help sort of, you know, turn the, the table to where you're in charge of the process? I, I think for me, it all starts on how I act on the doors. I think it's very important for for everyone to know that when we're on the doors, I always tell this to my guys, we're, we're supposed to be there. It's like the PG&E guy coming in to uh, check the gas line. He's not going to ask permission to do the things he needs to. We're there when we're on the doors. We're there for a purpose. We're there to get their bill. We're there to take pictures. We're supposed to be there. And I think if we act that way on the first approach, it's easier to act the same way throughout the sales process and not cater to the customer because again you're you're in control of the process so you should be able to manage it yeah i actually think um and even like catering to the customer it's like i was thinking about this the other day so we're looking at uh, making some changes on our house and last night i uh i had some guys come over and and look at it and it was funny because i'm going to be there right like it's you know, they, they ha we, we set up a certain time and I'm going to be there. But if those guys had told me, hey, I can't do it at seven. I need to do this the next morning. I, you know, and I said, OK, as long as it's before 11, I can do it. You're right. That, that's how our deal is. A lot of times it's not a deal breaker. Like if if, you know, the Internet guy's coming over to fix your Internet, someone's going to be there. Right. And I think, you know, this idea of I'm supposed to be there. This is a service that people want. It's a service that people appreciate. And you really can set your systems up. Um, I was just laughing about your schedule because it's Monday, Thursday, team meeting, Wednesday, mountain biking, Friday, day off. Like day off. you do have these things like set up in your life. And then the other thing that I love is, you know, you don't, you could be an average guy with the schedule and be successful. Kev, you have traveled the world. You're earning incredibly well. You have a family and you get a full day off on Fridays. And that's the, that's the, the life that you're, 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 discipline has constructed which is pretty awesome man like i i'm i'm a fan of what you do i think that's great i hope more people do it but you keep saying hey we need to have more consistent things i think you know what i mean jocko said that um you don't you don't create culture you steer it you 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 kind of guide it right so i think you know that that year just this was in my head and i don't want you to think or i don't want this to be any kind of instruction that you have to do culture this way um 
because the guys wanted to do wipeout, so we did wipeout, right? But if it wasn't working, you switch and do something else. We did an incentive yesterday. We took a group of people to Porsche Racing School. It's like top incentive of my life. I freaking love that stuff. We probably I won't do that. it again. I was jealous. I, really I couldn't drive that white car. You saw that? Yeah, I put that out there pretty yeah. hard for you. <laughs> but it was great. And the guys worked really hard for a quarter, you know, and that was a thing. And then you got to try, try kind of a new thing. Um, how has being a becoming a father changed um, the way you work and the way you lead? Wow. A good question uh at least the way i work it's 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 just like now now i feel like what it feels like to have a real responsibility before all of this i i could feel like you know you could have a bad day at work you could have a bad week and although it would hurt my ego i, I still i would i felt okay as far as my my future my financial future i felt like i could still manage it but now with a kid it's it's definitely put the pressure on saying you got to have a good career. It's not just a good day. You got to have a, you got to be a good professional in what you're doing because you're not talking about just one year or one week or this job will eventually be done at the end of the summer. You're talking about, you have to look out for the future of this kid, you know, for 20 plus years, 18 plus years, whatever that is. So for sure, more pressure on that end. Uh, which is good. Good pressure. That's what I mean. And uh, as far as leading a team, I feel like it's made me more patient for sure. hundred percent. I think I look at, um, I used to get bugged kind of like what you were saying, Adam, when people would, would say, Hey, well, uh, it's not working, you know, and, and I listen to their pitch and it's completely different than what I actually taught them. Uh, it made me be more aware of, you know, maybe I, I did the same things. Maybe I was being a little bit too prideful so let's try to work with what's actually causing that pride and fix that rather than getting upset or uh, just being so dry with the person that you're trying to work with that's awesome life kind of lets you play all the different roles you know what i mean like at first you come yeah. in and you're you know then 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 you get to be the manager and then you get to be the experienced guy then you get to be the father then you get to be the old guy right like it's kind of cool how your life experience has changed um your perspective with leading teams, but it should, right? Like the things that are happening to us, we should be able to draw conclusions from it and say, man, I'm, I'm a different person than I was five years ago. I'm an evolved person. So how do I add that to my life? And then again, to my team, sorry, I cut you off, Adam. No, I, I was going to kind of summarize the same way. And I think anyone that's a parent, it just changes your also kind of your urgency, I think on like your big picture goals where you're like, all right, like, the shop clock has officially started on life now. You know what I mean? Cause you're like, now I gotta actually take retirement seriously. I gotta take saving for college for my kids seriously. Like you start thinking about all these things that you knew were always there, but you don't ever really take it too serious. And then all of a sudden the kid's born and it's like the start button just got pushed. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, you know, crap, <laughs> like here it goes. Um, I, I'm so impressed and Kevin, we don't, I know we've, we've met a bunch of times on company trips and our paths have crossed here and there, but you know, we don't know each other all that well, but I'm really impressed just with your overall, just demeanor in the way that you approach sales. And I think a lot of, a lot of guys have this thing in their head where they need to be like high energy and like, you know, Mr. Personality and all this and that and whatever, but so many of our top performing reps are just very calm and level-headed and even kill personality and when you said um i don't even check the vsr tables on your commissions until they're installed that's like incredible to me because like that's the first thing that i've been i i probably have five six installs uh over the past couple months and it's literally the first thing i check because i'm just so excited to like see what it is and <laughs> But when you, when you like fishing, I got one. Yeah, no, it really is. <laughs> and then, but what's funny is when you were talking about it, I, and I was thinking back when I was selling full time, I literally would never check what my paychecks, like sometimes it would be like, I'd gotten paid on Friday and I wouldn't even look at my bank account until the next week sometime. And I was like, Oh sweet. I got paid, you know, 7,800 bucks last Friday. That's awesome. And like, you weren't even thinking about it. You know what I mean? And you're just going because the money doesn't matter as much as like the competitive environment that Vivint creates for us, like to, you know, hit your next league level to beat the guy in front of you. Like the money is like something you don't even think about 
when you're just cranking, right? Um, and it's also really interesting for me personally, the last couple of months that I've gotten these sales and like, even right now, I have probably six or seven customers that I'm like working through the process with right now. And because I've looked at the commissions on them, it really has changed my, my like demeanor, the way I'm approached. Like I'm definitely gripping the club, like the golf club way tighter than I used to because I'm like constantly looking how much these are worth. You know what I mean? And it just feels like so much pressure. I'm like, and I have a customer right now that's like ghosting me and I'm just like looking at the commissions and I'm like, oh my, like, and this is insane. You're like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm literally, I'm literally <laughs> driving to his house like later today. I'm just going to stop in and like, you know, I'm like the crazy oh, ex-girlfriend right now. Like oh, what boy. is happening, dude? You know what I mean? <laughs> Help him, Kevin. So, Help him. Help him. I know. Hey. It's so funny. It is so funny. But yeah, I mean, what, so what's your take on that? I mean, like I would, is that how you would describe yourself as just level headed and like, how has that personality really helped you in the, and have you always been that way? I don't, I don't know that I've always been that way. I think a lot of it has to do with just, I mean, I mean, we're, we're blessed that we work for a company that you can have that much trust on. Honestly, I'm, I've, I trust Vivian Solar. I trust that my pictures are correct. I trust that the money will be there. I just want to play whatever game they're telling me to play, you know, and that game is called the league. So if it's hitting a franchise level, if it's hitting some sort of incentive, I trust that if I do that, Vivint will come through with what they're saying. And that is the financial freedom that we have. So as you were saying that, I mean, that's a hundred percent it. I, I don't, it's not that I don't check the numbers because clearly, obviously everyone here wants that money and, and, and that's what you're going for. But for me, it just creates more anxiety than it helps. And so I rather not look at it and just trust the process. And the process has not let me down until this point. So I, I'm going to continue to do it. It's great advice, dude. That's really good advice. Um, before we close out, you and Ty Mickelson have an awesome relationship. And uh, he, he was telling me he was telling me about the gate. So why don't you tell me the story of the gate and we'll see how much Ty Mickelson made you to be a massive hero no i'm just kidding uh the story goes like this in my mind and then you'll have to correct it but he came out and knocked with you right and you had a referral mm -hmm. but the referral was in a gated neighborhood right and so he was talking to me about it and he's like dude you know mick gets anxious he's always looking around at all the different cars people are looking at me like what's going on around me um so so tell the tale of knocking with mick and the gate because i have a theory on it um <laughs> i'm telling you his mind might be a little exaggerated on how long this lasted, but here's a story. We were knocking together. We went to an appointment. It was actually a pretty bad day. I, I felt bad that he had to come and see me on, on a bad day. Like we, Everyone that I was trying to talk to or catch was not home. And I almost felt like I was wasting time. I should have just started knocking. But because of the time frame we had left, I said, hey, let's just try to find potential people that we can do a welcome call with because maybe that's what... You know, that's what you want to see. Uh, so we got, or we went to this customer that's been dodging me for quite a bit. And it, he lived in a gated community. So I got to the gate and we parked. And my thought was, I'm going to wait here till someone else comes behind me and opens the gate for me so I can go into his house. Because clearly, if I call him, he's not going to answer. So we parked in this gate. And it must have been maybe five to seven minutes. But according to Ty, it was like 20, 30 minutes that we waited there. <laughs> and so eventually, eventually, uh, this guy came and, you know, he snuck under the gate. And then I said, hey, dude, like, would you help us out? Would you would you open it up? And he agreed. Just this so, random vagabond rolls under the gate. <laughs> just, Kevin's like, hey. Yeah. You know, you have to, I had to take the opportunity I had in front of me. So I said, hey, this, that, this might be it. And... Yeah, about two minutes after he went under the gate, the door, the gate opened, and we were able to get in and, and talk to this guy who was actually home. Um, he actually loved like race cars, and, and Ty started talking to him, so it helped out a ton. And yeah, luckily, I mean, the guy's progressing now, and, and hopefully we can get him installed. But that the story of the gate is exaggerated, in my opinion, according to Ty. Um, yeah, but the point, but even as you like, told it, so Ty, Ty will say, this guy came by, we don't even know if he lives there. Kevin had a drink from one of the customers and was like, hey, I'll give you this drink if you open the gate for us, whatever. But the funny thing is, <laughs> the, this is the point that I think is true. Um, most people 
would have pulled up, especially if Ty and Ty's so fun to hang out with. And he's, you know, he's such like a loving guy and you just want his time. Um, but most people would have pulled up and been like, dude, I can't, I don't have the, I don't have the gate code and I don't want to call the guy cause he won't let us in. So sorry, dude, this day has been a bummer. Why don't we, why don't we go to like a restaurant real quick and you can talk to me about goals or something like that. Like most people would have not sat there, even if it was five minutes and tried to figure it out. But what Ty said was, he's like, dude, the thing I appreciated, and he's been training on this, like as he goes to other offices and stuff, is your mind was never, man, I don't know if we're gonna get through this. Your mind was, well, this is just a thing in the way. We're gonna get through it. It was never like, maybe we shouldn't go, right? Is this, you know, my friend Jeff Baumsteiger always talks about this forward pressure, this just constant like water behind the dam mentality is what he calls it, where it's like, listen, I don't know where the crack's gonna be, but where it happens, I'm gonna get through type of a thing. And I think that's special. And I think you should notice it, that you want to sell, you believe in yourself, you don't necessarily know how it's going to happen. But you're there. And the point is the customer is now progressing, right? I mean, you're able to help this customer get a better power rate at no upfront cost, simply because you sat and were calm and persistent. How many shots do reps miss where had they just adopted that mentality, right? Just stayed a little bit longer. It's been a little bit more um, present they would have made it. That's so true. And as you say that, I, I feel like those are the decisions you got to make every single day when you're on the doors. You know, even if it's going to a person that's already told you no or going to someone that's canceled and you still want to give it one last chance, it's that last stretch, that last attempt that we sometimes in our head, we say it's already done, but it potentially is not. And you missed it for not trying that last time. And as you, as I tell that story, and as you say that, yeah, that subconsciously, that's basically what we were doing. We said we're gonna make this work. We just have to figure it out. So let's approach it, knowing that it is gonna happen, and something will make it happen as we follow whatever process that is. Yeah. Well, it's a great simple lesson, man. Um, Kevin, dude, I appreciate you so much, man. I your 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 production and your story has has inspired hundreds and hundreds of people that work here. I think. You know, if people can look at somebody and, you know, you're humble about your accomplishments, but you are one of the most dominant and one of the most uh, consistently high ranking people in our in our entire industry. And I think that's really special. But the formula that you've kind of laid out is this idea of if you're persistent, you'll get it. And if you're consistent, you'll keep it right. It's hard to get there, but it's easy to stay there type of a thing. And I really appreciate that. I think you don't make the job harder than it has to be. I think you've got a really good perspective on life. I think you're a great example, dude, and that you're, you're, you're immensely valuable to this company, and we appreciate it a lot. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, thank you, brother. And thanks for sharing this uh, with us today, man. Um, I love your story. I love, I love what you're accomplishing, and I'm excited to see the next 846 or 722 or however many accounts come up next. So <laughs> thanks for joining Don't us, everybody. Cut. This has been another episode of Electric People. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.